If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. On the following episode of The Transition, I'm joined by Carla Bond, founder and CEO of Upskill VR, a company that uses VR technology to teach CPR and other emergency response training based on teaching from paramedics, police officers, and military veterans. A former U.S. Navy police officer and medic, Carla founded Upskill VR after teaching herself the basics of virtual reality development. As a veterans and residents alumni, Forbes Next 1000 selectee, and Google for Startups grant recipient, Carla is the real deal, and I'm thankful to finally be able to get her on the show to share her story. On the transition, we discuss what led her to founding Upskill VR, the $50,000 mistake that almost tanked her business, and her process for transitioning from a small business into a tech startup, licensing her Upskill technology to train the next generation of first responders. This is another great episode that highlights the resilience of our community and some peer-to-peer learning for those of you in the entrepreneurial hustle. Before you hear from Caller and I, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. I release a newsletter twice a week, once on Tuesday with actionable tips and advice, and again on Friday to share the latest episode of The Transition. This week, I started a newsletter thread wanting to learn how you plan to acquire your first 100 customers. I give you my plan at Ironbound Media, but I'm curious to hear yours. So be sure to leave a comment on the newsletter and also let us know what content you need from the marketing team to help you achieve your goal. Also, if you're interested in contributing to the newsletter with a post of your own, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org. Lastly, check out the official 2021 Bunker Labs Holiday Gift Guide, which features over 50 veteran or military spouse-owned businesses many with promo codes for holiday savings. I'll be sure to include the links in the show notes as well. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Carla, welcome to the transition. I feel Yay. like I was just telling her uh, before we went live, y'all. I feel like in this digital age, I'm so used to talking to avatars, little cartoons, <laughs> that you forget what it's like to actually talk to a human being. But me and her have been like messaging each other back and forth for probably about like seven or eight months now. Right, right, yeah. And when we jumped on, I was like, your hair is not like it is in the cartoons. <laughs> 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 my I have three different avatars, four, four yeah. now. That, yeah, and those are my non VR avatars. So whatever she feels like in there, I'll get in there and eat another one. <laughs> so Carla is a is a is a rock star entrepreneur, y'all. She got the Forbes, Next One Thousand, uh, Google for Black Startups, like all kind of stuff going on. So I'm excited to uh, get her on here to take off that armor. Uh, so right. first off, though, just go ahead and introduce yourself to uh, our listeners. Let them know who you are, what you got going on, 
and then uh, let's get vulnerable. All right. So um, I'm Carla. Um, I'm a U.S. Navy veteran and started off as a master at arms or security <laughs> and then I became a medic. Um, I'm still um, a medic to this day and I play video games for a living. <laughs> I have the best job ever. <laughs> My business is surrounded by video games that help people. So y'all can't see her, but she's got one of these like seven thousand dollar game chairs that she's sitting in. <laughs> and so that's what she did. Chair. That's what she did with that fifty thousand dollars from uh, Google. Absolutely, I love it. I love my chair. I gotta have my chair. <laughs> when you got what you guys can't see is Nintendo and all my game systems behind. I gotta look like I'm professional back here. You can't seeing the secrets behind me you got to be comfortable especially um you know we're online all day now Absolutely. and you have a family right you got a husband and how many kids four four kids and running a tech startup yes <laughs> it's a never dull moment in my life i'll say yeah. that never four dull. kids that's a fire team in the marine corps that's a whole situation absolutely and i'm trying to put them to work you trying trying to hear me <laughs> they <Yeah>. need jobs <laughs> So take us behind the veil, right? Like I said, we see the Forbes next 1000. You got the Google for black startup. So by all accounts, right? You're like living the dream that a lot of us aspire to be on the other side. You know, I'm in the hustle, so I'm, I'm, I'm hustling, but yeah. there's a lot of people, you know, when they see entrepreneurs like ourselves that like, we've got it all figured out and that it's just like off to the races and we're printing money, but that's not the case. And I would love for you to share some insight on what's going on behind the scenes of a uh, you know upskills VR what's the challenge you're facing it's it has its ups and downs i feel like with any anything that you do especially whether it's new or old you got to you got to got to roll with the waves and and there <laughs> there are moments where i want to pull my hair out and just shut this computer and start playing VR games and forget i ever even started it it gets so hard sometimes and then there are other times where things are are smooth and it's it's a learning curve, and I've been I've had to learn a lot of stuff the hard way, um, but especially about the business side of having a business. I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew that it was a necessity that needed to happen. But running a business and starting a business is two totally different things that I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was on with somebody today, and they were like, "Man, being an entrepreneur is really hard," and I think we've hyped it up too much on like social right but it's it is really hard that part, hard <laughs> that part. <laughs> but you know in our you know when we first started recording you started telling me a story almost like a fifty thousand dollar mistake that you've mm -hmm. kind of had to pull yourself out of can you share that mistake with our listeners so um being a tech startup your intellectual property means everything and that's the that's the everything to your business and when i started started this i knew nothing i didn't even know what intellectual property was um, so I reached out to, as I was learning how to develop in VR, teaching myself, I knew that I wasn't going to be up to part, to par in enough time to, um, get my vision across. So I reached out to some developers overseas and had them to, well, in the way it was put to me <laughs> was that we were going to partner <laughs> and they were going to develop it. I was going to provide the, the necessary information that they needed to develop it as far as making it but what i found out the hard way since they developed it they owned the intellectual property 
So <laughs> when it was come time for me to try to sell it or do anything with it, or I couldn't partner with anybody, I couldn't do anything without having to pay them. And I couldn't change anything, even though everything that was a part of that initial uh, suite of training that we developed, because it was multiple suites of training that we developed, I had no actual rights to, and I actually signed it. And <laughs> just signing that thing, just to be able to, to be able to get get it out there, I was so passionate about what I was uh, trying to do. I didn't think about, nor did I even know about the actual consequences of what I was signing until it was too late. So when I got the award from the Google for startups, it cost me $27,000 to get out of that. Was that through legal or did you just buy it out from them outright? Legal. Mm. And, and I still couldn't keep the intellectual property. So you had to kind of rebuild from scratch? I had to start all the way over. But what I did do before I started again and started getting it to the point to where it is right now, I took a hard stop and was like, let me learn the business of, of running a business, especially in, in the tech space. And I took about six months to, to just learn as much as I could about it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to go through that process again. Well, I appreciate you sharing and let's use this as a, as a teachable moment right now. You know, what we think, when, I think one thing that people try to tell us, but we don't emphasize enough is at the end of the day, Business is about working with people that trust you, you know, mm -hmm. making key decisions and working with people that like, know, and trust you. That's what makes the veteran community so strong, you know, because Absolutely. you would like to think a lot of us aren't trying to screw each other over. So when you start bringing on these accounts and start working with outside vendors, especially when you start having a lot of money, you know, you also got to make sure the paperwork is taken care of, right. you know, and also, you know, business is such a, it, it's, we can be so vulnerable. You know, especially when we're spending our livelihood and stuff. So be real intentional about who you're choosing to do business with. Absolutely. That's one of that's one of them. I would say one one of the most important things, especially if you're not a solopreneur. And even if you're a solopreneur, because it was just me at that time. Um, I, I come to think I, thinking about it now, I think I feel like it's more important if you're a solopreneur because you have to know everything because it's just you is to take the time to one truly know how to run a business and understand that part of it but do your due diligence <laughs> before you start jumping out there and handing over money time and because i mean you're it, it's your it, that's your livelihood that's your business and and don't be afraid i feel like as i'm not gonna say it's just veterans but we're so used to just getting the job done like we know what we're doing we get orders or we get taskers or whatever branch you're in, whatever you want, whatever y'all call it in y'all branch. But <laughs> we get the plan of the day and this is what we have to do and, and we run it down. And we miss the part of that that part of working because you you know you can trust the person right next to you. And we get so used to that that when we go out to into other spaces, the expectation we take that same expectation in other spaces, but it's a totally different space. And sometimes that can be a, a hindrance for us because we're taking our mentality that we've been taught, the camaraderie, and you you got you got your brother's back or your sister's back into different spaces and we mess up that way a lot of times.
Today's show was brought to us by Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military connect the community, start their own business. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military connected community has the network tools and resources they need. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. Carla, talk to us about how you got connected with Bunker Labs. Um, I, during that six month time frame that I was learning, I just, I, I knew where to start. I started looking in the veteran space, starting connecting with other veterans that I knew had businesses that small businesses. And I actually got referred to, um, Bunker Labs from, uh, someone that I was connected with on Facebook and just apply. And I actually ended up applying to the veterans and residents program twice. The first time looking back on it, I was not ready. <laughs> I, I was just so eager to get done, get, get started and get it done that I actually wasn't ready the first time that I, that I applied looking back on it. But the second time I got in and it's it, the rest is kind of history at that point that I, I've learned so much in that community and, just being able to reach out, even if it's just simple questions, that somebody somebody has the answer, or somebody can point you in the right direction, even if they don't have the answer. I, I absolutely, that's that's I can't even value that how important Bunker Labs and being a part of that community is. Yeah, especially for those of us that don't have any background in business, right? Like we don't, absolutely. a lot of us don't have MBAs. We're just kind of coming up with an idea, and to be able to have a community we can go to and resources, super helpful. Mm -hmm. um, especially in times like the pandemic, right? All this pivoting and changes going on. So yeah, <laughs> that's how we got connected. I think I was doing a workshop series and I was teaching mm -hmm. marketing and branding and Carla was on there and uh, I've been nagging her y'all to get her on the transition. So I'm <laughs> is worth $10,000 a minute. So, you know, I got to come correct. <laughs> it wasn't a nag. <laughs> But uh, Carla, take us back. Talk to us about your transition from the military and how you became an entrepreneur. Because, you know, it's, uh, first of all, a lot of people tend to struggle with their transition outside of the military, trying to, you know, find that same sense of purpose and meaning in the civilian world. And then those of us who are crazy decide to go start businesses <laughs> and build it from the ground up. So, you know, tell us your story. How you became an entrepreneur? So when I initially got out, I followed the simplest path that I could and I stayed in the medical field and I, I'm just going to say I'm the worst employee. I am. <laughs> um, and that's, that's not to say that simply because you're a bad employee and I, I wouldn't say that I'm a, and let me explain the reason why I say that I'm a bad employee is because I, I believe in efficiency and I don't like, I hate busy work. I hate everything about just, I have to be here for eight hours and it's something that takes 30 minutes. We stretch it out for four hours just because we have to be here for eight hours. I hate, I hated everything about that. So um, I did stay in the medical community. I worked at a, quite a few fire stations because that's actually my, my trade. <laughs> and I started uh, teaching CPR and it got to the point where I was just tired of teaching it. And I was <laughs> not the way that it was, not the way that it's taught, you know, with videos and handouts and same old, same old, we playing with dolls. And then I send you out of here. And two weeks later, you don't remember anything that I said. So, and I had a problem with that because I asked myself just kind of one day after class, like if I met any of these people 30 days from now and I passed out, would I trust any of them? And I taught them, would I trust any of them to remember anything that I, I taught them and I, in the back of my mind, I knew that the most of them wouldn't. 
because none of the people that I were teaching are in, were in the medical field at all. So it's one of those things they were just there to get the card to keep their job in various other you know professions. So I had always been kind of a gamer, and I'm gonna say kind of a gamer because I kind of stick to what works for me. My Nintendo, Nintendo, and my PlayStation Two is the farthest I've gone up, and I don't plan on moving up. Um, and I was into VR when it was on the Virtual Boy with Nintendo. So I was watching a video on YouTube one day and these kindergartners came to DC in VR. And when I went and kind of just read into the blog post, I reached out to the author of the blog and I asked him where the kids ever tested the things of that nature. And she was giving you kind of the stats of the, the, the difference in what those kindergartners were learning about DC and they in VR it was three three sixty video in VR. They they literally read from the textbook that they were teaching from, but these children got to experience it in VR versus just looking at the pictures in the te textbook. And they tested the children. She said it was about a forty percent increase. I mean, difference in their scores. And they were given the exact same questions. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, if a five year old can learn from this or a six year old can learn from this, why can't an adult? And I I knew that understood the two emotions that get you fear the most are fear and happiness so i'm like okay let me see how i can do that i wasn't even sure if it was possible at that time but i i was willing to give it a shot and that's kind of where went down the rabbit hole as far as vr and taking cpr and different emergency training and putting them in vr and it's kind of where it kind of started from there so when did you realize you could make this a business um, I knew that CPR was going to always be a need for certain professions. So my my target market isn't going anywhere. So <laughs> they were already paying for it. So why not take the, what they were already paying for and make it so that the one, the classes will be shorter and they get to experience um, the different types of training. And I also was kind of put the nail in the coffin i think that's how you do the last nail in the coffin that yeah. thing yeah something like that <laughs> but i ran a call we got called for a teenager that had passed out and his mother according to her had been a nurse for 20 years so we're talking about at least 10 cpr classes that she had because it's every two years when we got there the phone was in her hand like this and she was shaking and she was crying and her teenager was still between wedged between the toilet and the tub mm. so that let me know that there's a, a disconnect between what's taught in the classroom and what's actual that what that confirmed for me was being taught in the classroom versus when you actually get put into practice especially if it's not something that you're used to there's a huge disconnect there and there's an emotional barrier that has to be broken and at that point it went from oh this is something that i want to do to a sheer passion like i have to get this done how did you fund the business initially? With my TSP and my savings, I drained everything to to once it became a passion and I knew that I could that I could do it. I just I wasn't sure how. I just knew there was something that I could do. I, I threw everything that I had into it. Yeah, one of the things I've been talking a lot about too is like people determining what kind of route they want to go. Are they right. a startup? Are they a small business? Are they just self-employed? You know. Did you know what direction you were headed at the time? No. It, initially, I've I've had to pivot the way that I've I take had to take upskill twice. Um, 
first it was just me. <laughs> so I'm going to create this and then I'm going to go around and I'm going to teach this myself. And that just wasn't sustainable. I didn't realize it wasn't sustainable at the time, but it, it wasn't. And then I pivoted again. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to teach it. I'm going to create the software and then I'm going to allow other instructors to teach it. And that even that had my market really small. And it took a mentor to tell me like, you're not thinking wide enough. That's that, yes, that may work, but it's only going to work for so long. And, and it's too many contingencies that fall up under there. So the third time is where we are right now, which is completely sustainable. And talk to us about where you are right now. So instead of us, we're basically a SaaS. We create the um, trainings and we provide those trainings in VR to the certification body. So we're talking to your, uh, we're in talks with ASHI, American Safety and Health Institute. We've had um, conversations with the American Red Cross. So we give the, the, sorry, the training to them and they provide it to their already ready audience versus so we don't have to teach it at all we just have to create it so basically almost like a licensing fee it is it is that's sustainable that's great but when you were first starting out to build the product right this is where that story kind of ties in so you go into mm -hmm. your tsp you liquidate your savings and was that to build the initial prototype of the mm -hmm. the technology yeah because initially i reached out to different developers and if it was two thousand dollars here then and it didn't pan out three thousand dollars here didn't pan out you know and i was literally wasting money just trying to get it done and um i was sitting here was like instead of me paying somebody it to to create this for me why not try to partner with somebody who's looking for content so that's how that partnership <laughs> came she about air quotes y'all she put up air quotes for the partnership yeah because it wasn't a partnership <laughs> they just basically took the information and ran with it um but that's kind of where my thought process was instead of me being a the consumer let me partner with somebody who needs content and the whole time you're doing this you're working your full-time job still yeah. while you're building this out on the side yep and actually building out the content were you like writing it out was it like storyboarding of like, hey, these are the scenarios I want? Because I'm trying to help our listeners mm -hmm. picture. This is like a 3D simulation, almost like a video game. It is right? a video game. It is a video game. And it's so you created, yeah, you created the step-by-step -step process of what the scenario is supposed to look like and everything. Mm -hmm. And then you basically outsource that to some developers. Correct. And where, so, did, you, where did you find them? The, the developers? Um, actually, my mentor that later became my CTO, he found our current developers for me because he was a, he's a, a software developer himself and he's working on other things got going on. But then when he came on as a CTO, he was like, OK, I'm not going to develop this. We're going to I'm going to fund the development team and I'm going to choose them. And that's his where we call ourselves Batman and Robin. I, I give him the content. He finds the bronze to get it done. All right. Now, going back to our teachable moment, all right? Mm -hmm. How does one protect themselves and their IP at this point, right? So you did it one way in the past. How mm -hmm. would that look different now? If I had to do it again, um, make sure that my bail team is in place. And part of that bail team is an attorney. 
So before you do anything, sign anything, let anything come out your mouth. I mean, and but it, the way my attorney <laughs> put it to me, an NDA is only as good as the piece of paper that is written on. So it's best to keep your mouth shut until something is in writing. So um, I, I would hands down, if I'd have known about a bail team that back then, I would hands down seek out an attorney first before I do anything. And I'm going to plug Mark Snyderman on this one. He was he came on the podcast, Legal Considerations for Early Stage uh, Ventures. Be sure to check him out. But, you know, this is an important moment because you've got this great idea. You've created all the 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 copy for it, And now you're about to hand this off. And yeah. it needs to be clearly understood who owns this intellectual property, who owns right. this platform. Right. And it has to be in writing because if it's not, if it's not in writing, it's not real. Now you go, you, you pay for the developers, everything. Talk to us about actually going to market, getting paying clients with this product. What so was like? the testing was the biggest part for us because um, we had to prove what we were doing was going to work. And even though we went through that long, arduous process of, of proving, validating our point, um, it still was a struggle. It was absolutely a struggle because change is, every, when, when people are used to doing something the same way, because the CPR market hasn't changed since the 1970s. So people have been teaching CPR the exact same way since the 1970s. The, the, the content for which the protocols and stuff have changed slightly, but the way it's done is the same. And I had to find angles on which to prove that this, this is the way that this is going. And then when COVID hit, it went from what is VR to what are you creating in VR? So it made it a lot simpler because people were looking for ways to get things done. And in the, that saves an enormous amount of time but it keeps it from people from coming in contact with one another. So it sounds bad, but the the pandemic kind of helped me out a little bit because people were more open to change at that point. When did you launch the company? And uh, originally in 2019. So I was in um, LSE first. And then when I went through uh, an accelerator, they advised because I was doing a raise that I had to change the structure of my business to a uh, C-Corp. So my C-Corp was done in October of 2020. So it depends. <laughs> right. talk to us, yeah. Talk to us about that transition. So, you know, you first, you're talking about going out, you know, doing it yourself, then you're hiring to build technology. At what point did you realize that like, Hey, I need to raise money for this thing to get it to the next level. And when I ran out of money. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good time. <laughs> when I, when I could no longer, when I had no more savings that that wasn't going to pull away from my actual household, um, when I had no more of that, then I realized this wasn't, a, it just wasn't sustainable for me to do this. And the more that I learned about how a lot of tech startups run and or startups period run is through funding. And some are able to bootstrap it all the way, but I knew the average software developer makes a hundred grand a year easy. So unless I can afford to pay multiple people a hundred grand a year, I'm going to need some funding for this. And that's kind of where it's like a hard stop. Let me not pull from my own savings anymore. So talk to us about fundraising. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> 
it's hard because have, having to find the right the 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 right uh, funding source because there you you know you got grants you got loans which I today I, I'm not gonna do any type of loans period um, and then you have you know investor funding you got angel funding you know friends and family. I don't come from a background where my friends and family would be able to fund anything. <laughs> so um, it is hard to find, to put the puzzle piece, find the right puzzle piece that's going to fit where you, one, where you are. And then once you figure out where you are, and this is a puzzle piece that I, where I am, then you have to find the people who are willing to believe in your, because they're funding you, not the, not the business at that early stage of a startup, startup believing you enough to cough over their money to you for on whatever terms that you have that was the most difficult part and getting used to hearing no a lot that was hard yeah it's um you know seems like it's been an interesting shift like in mindset right going from small mm -hmm. business to tech startup and you call yourself a tech startup you don't yeah. mind me asking how much money have you raised today um we're close to 100 grand so far and how are you covering salaries and all that other stuff for yourself? It's, it's, luckily, it's just two of us. <laughs> it is just two of us. And all the money's raised has not gone to anybody's salary. You, it goes right back into to the business. So. Mm -mm. <laughs> and once the pandemic hit, though, you said you started to pick up some traction because now people are aware of the problem. They mm -hmm. need to figure out a way to kind of teach this stuff virtually without people being in person. Right. social distancing and this is where you kind of start to see some traction take off right because our testing got a lot easier because before the pandemic hit the way that it did because in the beginnings it, people weren't it, it wasn't until the pandemic got really bad when we realized that we were going to be at home for until <laughs> that that people were like okay we got we got to do we just got to do things differently because clearly this is not going to be over tomorrow so um it it was it was easier to to be able to say like hey we have this your we initially went to before we started reaching out to the American Red Crosses and things of that nature um, we went to I just literally started locally like my my orthodontist <laughs> to be honest was the first person that that, that orthodontic practice was one of the first ones because they all have to have CPR they're required to have it in order to practice it's like hey are you willing to be a part of this um our beta testing and he's like sure <laughs> this is gonna get us our cards and it's gonna help you out sure so we did that several times to to prove what we had we had something in our hands so that as we're continuing in talks with with the different certifying bodies this is the information that we're giving us this is these are the people that we've trained already and these are the results that we got and as and we also uh, kind of went on on the backs of other uh, VR startups that are in different industries, but they changed different, they changed the industries that they were in using VR. So it further validated our point that this is the way training is gonna go. Give us a snapshot of where you are now. I know we've got the SaaS platform, mm -hmm. you've launched that, right? Is that a whole other kind of development build or is it more just kind of taking what you already have and just going out and selling it as it's software? It's pretty much the same. It's just our it's our target market just changed. So we went from 
or your local doctor's offices and things like like that to the actual people who are providing the the certification cards that that you receive. So you will get your card from say Ashy, but the training for which that you did the VR came from us. As you start to think about the future, right? I'm a big fan of Jim Collins and he talks about BHAG. That BHAG, yeah. Goal. I love like, it. Where Built class. Yeah, that's right. Built class. Um, where are you headed? Hopefully that if it goes the way that we plan, that we'll be the back end software solution for all of the certifying bodies. Those things, contracts and all that take forever. And getting paid for them from that kind of stuff takes forever. But once it's done, it's done. So being the software back end software solution for not only CPR, for all of their current curriculum that they have, that that they see the value and it's a right fit because that's a big thing with VR. Not every type of training is going to fit in the type of VR that we're doing. Um, the Because the, we don't do 360 video. Ours is com computer generated modeling. Not every scenario is going to be a best fit for that. Um, but for the scenarios, for the types of training that in their, their already curriculums that they have, if it fits, we want to be that software solution. All right, let's talk through this out loud. Okay, so this is here we are now. Right, where Carla Bonds got her CTO hustling, hooking and jabbing, staying in the fight. What do we got to do to become that full-on back back-end software solution? Start with one, one at a time. <laughs> get, All right, get, so get, get one. Get one, and once we get one, and and we have one contract all already in line, and we're their full back-end software solution, then we go branch out to the other ones, and our, our market just gets larger and larger and larger from that point because we've get we've gotten within the last maybe six about six months we've gotten more we've reached out other companies have reached out businesses have reached out to us to do custom software solutions outside of what our actual wheelhouse actually really is so um next level we're we're not only providing the training to the software bodies but we're actually providing those vr custom software solutions so if you wanted to i'm just going to use this podcast for instance, and you want to take this podcast in VR, we could, we just, what do you want it to look like? Let us know. And we'll give you this in VR, except you, everybody's in the same room, everybody's in VR, but we're in the middle of a podcast too, or middle of a gathering or whatever is needed to be able to find those custom solutions for individuals that can also build their businesses up as well. And where do you want to be personally? I know where your company's, where you want your company to be, where do you want to be? Are you going to be a venture capitalist? Are you, you know, going to retire? What's, what's the future look like for you? I want to be able to have the veteran shark tank, but do it for minorities and, and, and primarily women. Cause women, we get less of the venture capital. And then when you start talking about minority women, it gets even smaller. So to be able to have, other veteran entrepreneurs that are female minorities and we're the VCs that are providing the the not only not only the education but the funding so people can build their startups and we're there with them the whole way to be able to I don't can I don't know if I can legally say shark tank but something like that. Yeah, no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um to be able to provide that and so other people can have to build their wealth on and to 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 do what they're passionate about to be able to to be in the background um 
to help them is ultimately what I want to be able to to do and have Upskill VR run itself and have an, an actual CEO that I'm paying to run it <laughs> while I go do that and also be able to take work with people with organizations like Doctors Without Borders and for every certain dollar amount that we're receiving here as far as training take those and provide that overseas to those people that that need it over there for free because what they do over there is such a hard job over there for very little thank you for what they have to do over there and provide those um not only the people that work for the organization but the people of those communities so they can have the adequate training so when those the physicians and uh the the people who are providing them with the care leave, they can help each other because they've properly been trained and we can just leave a headset with them and they can constantly help themselves that way. I really yeah. want to step into philanthropy. Yeah, you know, and I, I just asked that question on the spot. Um, and one reason I've just been thinking about a lot more and more is like, what are we working towards, right? Mm -hmm. there's the, it's important to have the business component, but there's all these, these other like aspirational goals we have for ourselves. And my mentor just asked me today, he was like, hey, what is your financial goals for like 2020, 2022? And I told him, I was like, I want to earn enough margin to invest in uh, founders of color and veterans. Mm -hmm. I want to yeah. have enough margin to be able to do that and feel comfortable doing it. Um, I'm right. a big component of lifting as we climb, but yep. I'm going to start speaking it more into existence. I'm being honest. Yes, <laughs> I'm excited. So I got a couple more questions for you. Number right. one. For all our listeners that are tuning in uh, from all over the country, all over the world, as an entrepreneur who's been in the thick of it, right? Got your IP stolen. You know <laughs> what I mean? Had to pay, you know, lawyer fees upwards of 20K, been in the fight, in the trenches. What advice would you like to give to our listeners who are either interested in starting their own entrepreneurial journey or are going through their own right now? Um, I know it's going to be a little bit cliche-ish, but it is the truth you gotta you gotta really be grounded in why you're doing what you're doing and if you're not completely grounded in why you're doing what you're doing when when it gets tough and you get no after no or things you make a mistake or something like that you're gonna fall off the bandwagon because you don't really have a passion for why you're doing it and that ultimately is what has kept me going i, I knew why it was it was bigger than this whole thing is bigger than me so for the sake of those who are gonna need it, I just kind of, kind of bear, <laughs> bear the ups and the downs so that they don't have to, you know. Um, but be really, really grounded in why you're doing what you're doing, and stick to it, and get used to no, and and understand that no is not always a bad thing. Any book recommendations for our listeners? First is built to last. <laughs> I just bought. So I'm a Jim Collins guy, right? Yes. <laughs> I've listened to all his books. But I just went ahead and bought Built to Blast. I'm going to listen to it on vacation. I'm yeah, Built to Blast. Um, uh, the Million, uh, the Millionaire Fast I've reread that a bunch of really, bunch of di different times. Um, MJ DeMarco. You can't go wrong with MJ DeMarco because he's going to give it to you straight. Um, especially a part of a veterans community, you're used to somebody being very direct with you. <laughs> MJ DeMarco is going to do that, do that for you. Um, uh, Patrick Big David with your next five moves. Um, that that was an eye opener. It's one of he. I think the book is maybe a couple years old. That, but it's it's a big eye opener for me. Uh, for me at least, your next five moves. What were the big takeaways from Built to Last and Next Five Moves? Why why those books? 
So the BHAG is what got me um, with Built the Last, that big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, I, when my, when my mentor said that you're not thinking as big as you should, I hadn't read Built the Last yet. So when I read Built the Last and he broke down that BHAG to me, it just, it, it taught me to think like a kindergartner. Like you can't tell a kindergartner that they're not going to be an astronaut. <laughs> There's nothing. Yeah, not you can do. It's not happening. And if we think more like a kindergartner and with our goals and our aspirations and our dreams and what we want to do, and then we're grounded in why we want to do it, then it's, it's no stopping you at that point. You'll take the bumps and the bruises because you, that you, you can, you can, in your mind, you're that kindergartner. I'm going to be an astronaut <laughs> and you can't tell me anything else. Um, with your next five moves, um, it teaches you about thinking outside of just writing out goals. Um, you have to understand where you're going and having to have a, not, not just a strategic plan. And that's, that's, in, that's with your business in life and weaving all of that stuff together and painting that picture in five different blocks and making sure that it comes, it doesn't have to be five, but the, it, he breaks it down in five, but, um, weaving all that together and being able to picture it then plan it is what I took away from it um but we we focus we sometimes uh, in in writing out our goals we're like these are my business goals and these are these are my personal goals and not taking the time to you know understand how those two are gonna gonna how those things are gonna work together and how they <laughs> and, and understanding that is if, if something goes wrong then what it, it's almost taking the alphabet and trying to go from A to B and then skip to M and forget the middle part. I got to check these books out. And I know all of them, right? I've BHAG. I haven't, I mean, I've, I've read everything from Jim Collins except like two books. Mm -hmm. I think it's How the Mighty Fall. And I think it's uh, this one. And then I'm a fan of MJ DeMarco. I've listened to a couple of his podcasts. Mm -hmm. I have his book. Uh, I forgot what book it's called. But um, I have his other entrepreneur book. But the fact you said it, that's my rule for books, y'all. It's, like, it's the rule of three. You know, if I see it, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Then I hear somebody bring it up. And if it comes up again, I'm like, I got to purchase the book. Yeah. And I've seen the next five, your next five moves a couple times. And so, like, by you saying it, I'm like, all right, I'm going to knock that book out. So yeah, I both MJ DeMarco's books, uh, The Millionaire Fast Lane and Unscripted. Unscripted is the one. Yeah. Unscripted is, I read The Millionaire Fast Lane first, and I saw where he wrote um unscripted and you don't have there you don't have to read them in that order because they they both their their mindset but they're very look <laughs> this is it's this simple and yeah. i like i love the fact that he takes this and breaks it down this is is very practical and it makes you it's not this you know whimsical things that a lot of books that i feel like put out there and they leave all the the good practical truths of <laughs> being an entrepreneur out of it so Carla, I'm a big fan of value for value, right? Okay. So you just gave us tons of valuable insights on your entrepreneurial journey. That's hopefully going to prevent our listeners from uh, making mistakes and capitalize on some of those lessons. But let us know as a community, how can we support your efforts with Upskill VR? What can we do for you? Um, like I'm, I'm a big thing on, on go to our LinkedIn pages, um, Upskill VR on LinkedIn and like the page share it 
um, put it out there. Um, whether you feel like you need CPR or any type of training or not, just put it out there and it'll get to the audience that it needs to get to. Love it. Y'all heard it, y'all. Go out here and show her some love. Go ahead and like that LinkedIn page. I'll also be able to include it in our show notes as well as a link to uh, Carla's website. And uh, Carla, it's been a pleasure having you here. You're Thank a great you. asset to the bonker and entrepreneurial community. And we look forward to seeing you uh, continue to launch that rocket ship that is uh, Upskill VR all and right. taking it to the stratosphere. For all our listeners, do us a favor and make sure you subscribe to the Transition Podcast and newsletter on Substack at the link in the show notes. We release a newsletter every Tuesday and a podcast every Friday. You can leave a comment about each episode on Substack. And if you have any questions about your own venture, post that as well. We're always looking for content and would love to learn more about what you're struggling with in your own ventures. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, make sure you visit BunkerLabs.org, select the city nearest to you, and sign up for our local newsletter or attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. From there, get connected at Bunker Online, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that'll take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. You can register today by clicking connect at bunkerlabs.org. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.